Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come now to seriously consider your word. And we ask that your Holy Spirit just wash over us now and that you take the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, and make them wholly yours, that together we might receive a holy dialogue from you and grow in that love and knowledge that surpasses all understanding, that of Jesus Christ. Be with us now. In his name we ask and pray. Amen. Friends, we are in a time of tough circumstances. For nearly all of us, unless you're just real, 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 real old, this is our first pandemic. Now, we're not the first people in history to go through a pandemic, nor are we the first to face unpleasant circumstances. Furthermore, and even more importantly, we are not the first Christians to face unpleasant circumstances. The Apostle Paul was intimately acquainted with unpleasant circumstances, which were at times utterly terrible circumstances. He had been stripped and beaten. He'd been chased from towns. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been in prison a ton of times. And after about 10 years of founding the church at Philippi, Paul finds himself in jail again, this time writing the Philippians from house arrest in Rome. Paul did not let his terrible circumstances negatively define his attitude or actions. No doubt, no doubt Paul probably had times when he really struggled with his circumstances, but that didn't stop Paul from choosing the gift of God that is inside each one of us by grace. And that gift is joy. Remember, happiness depends upon happenings. But joy, joy is a gift of God's grace that can overcome every bad circumstance. See, circumstances may be bad, but God is good. That's why Paul weaved both that word and that concept of joy throughout this letter. Paul wrote four letters from prison, but it's only Philippians that's known as Paul's letter of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Paul was able to rejoice in his circumstances because joy is a gift of God's grace. And as we're going to see in today's sermon, joy can be found when we seize whatever our circumstances might be and use those to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's no greater joy. There's no greater joy in life than knowing your life has a purpose. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a purpose. We have a mission to walk as disciples of Jesus and invite others around us to walk with us. Friends, our circumstances don't determine our purpose. Jesus determines our purpose. And I don't know about you, but that gives me joy. Joy that I have a purpose in Jesus Christ, and that's to advance his kingdom. And that's exactly what Paul shared as his letter to the Philippians continues today. 
He shared the joy of advancing the gospel. The joy of advancing the gospel. Y'all, that's the title for today's sermon. And in the world of sermons, this is what we call a deductive sermon. In a deductive sermon, I know you probably don't care about this, but it actually is going to make you look forward to, to late breakfast or lunch more, okay? Because you'll be able to really tell where I am. In a, in a deductive sermon, it's when I tell you what we're talking about at the beginning of the sermon, and then I go ahead and I give you the points so that it makes note-taking easier. And I know you're taking notes in your pajamas, aren't you? That just thrills me so much. So here are the points. Here are the points of today's sermon. And each point begins with the phrase, the joy of advancing the gospel. Point number one, the joy of advancing the gospel utilizes every circumstance. It utilizes every circumstance. Point number two, the joy of advancing the gospel celebrates the success of others even when others are not supportive of us. The joy of advancing the gospel celebrates the success of others even when others are not supportive of us. And the last point is the joy of advancing the gospel offers a divine perspective to our living and dying. It offers a divine perspective to our living and our dying. So let's begin with point number one. The joy of advancing the gospel utilizes every circumstance. Now, as Paul writes, the church at Philippi wants to know his circumstances. And certainly Epaphroditus, who was sent from Philippi to, to help Paul, is going to inform the Philippians when he goes back there about his impressions and the details. But Paul wanted to make sure they had his words. Paul wanted them to know that though circumstances were bad, he was continuing to speak and think joyfully because the gospel was advancing. Paul writes in verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And I would encourage you to underline that word in your text, advance the gospel. That word in the Greek is prokope. It means to drive forward. It's like uh, blazing a trail before an army. Notice that Paul doesn't say, in spite of the fact that I'm in prison, the gospel is advancing. No. Instead, he's saying, through these circumstances, the gospel's advancing. See, Paul may be in chains, but the gospel of Jesus Christ can't be bound. Paul writes in verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, that's the praetorium, to everyone else and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, if you do have your Bible open, I want you to underline these phrases, words, okay? I want you to underline becomes clear. I want you to underline palace guard, everyone else, and chains for Christ, but especially become clear and chains for Christ, Okay? Now, this is, where, this is where the syntax in the Greek is much more powerful than our English reconstruction. See, in the Greek, chains become clear and Christ all occur together in the sentence. The phrase become clear is one word in the Greek, phaneros, and it means to manifest. 
to manifest, like, like with a bit of mystery. The longer one encounters the manifestation of Jesus in Paul, the clearer it becomes that Paul is chained to Jesus and not Rome. Paul is saying, it's clearly evident to everyone here in Rome that I'm not a prisoner of Rome, but a prisoner of Jesus Christ, making him known. Paul says there are two results of this manifestation of his chains for Christ. One, that the gospel is spreading among the soldiers of the elite palace guard of Rome. The gospel is spreading amongst the soldiers. And the second result is this, that other Christians that are in the church at Rome, watching all this take place, are being encouraged by Paul's bravery to also preach the gospel. The soldiers chained to Paul's wrist, they were not guards, they were souls for whom Christ died. See, Paul had a captive audience, and as we see in verses 13 and also over in chapter 4, verse 22, we can conclude that some of these guards were won over to Christ. Paul continues writing about his circumstances in verse 14. He says, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It has become manifest evident that Jesus placed Paul in Rome to advance the gospel. Not only in prison, but by serving as a witness to Christians outside of prison to be more courageous in the gospel proclamation. Now here's an application. We can turn circumstances into opportunities to magnify Jesus and share the gospel. We can turn any circumstance as an opportunity to magnify Jesus and share the gospel. Now listen, I know you guys uh, have, have seen some of these, uh, these things around, you know, these face masks. Hopefully you can hear me. I'm going to put mine on. Um, I like this one. It look, makes me look like a duck. You ready? Hold on. Hold on. Get around my big old head there. All right, how's that going? Can you see me? Can you hear me all right out there? Yeah. Yes, yes, I know. I should be a model for these things. Anyways, um, have you noticed when you're at the store um, how when everybody has these on, they, they, they struggle with making eye contact? Even if it's somebody you know, they kind of look down in a way. You feel scared to say something, right? You feel, you feel scared to say something, scared to have a conversation. What if? What if we use this as an opportunity, as a circumstance, to smile with our eyes? Those of you that were ever in a, in a choir of any sort, you may have had a, a, a vocal director or a teacher tell you to smile with your eyes, and it looks like this, right? It's that simple. I mean, I know I kind of look like a goober, but it's that simple. Smile with your eyes. You can even, you can even tilt your head forward at him and scare him a little bit. 
Room's kind of dead in here today. The only one who wants to laugh is Bob. <laughs> oh, thanks, Kurt. Okay. You're welcome. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Utilize the circumstances to magnify Jesus and share the gospel. Just a smile to somebody goes a long, long way. Even yesterday, a, a, a young mother reached out through our church Facebook page. I asked <clears> if we could bring chicken out to her and her her family, uh, the, uh, her car would not start, would not work, and um, we ran out of chicken so fast I couldn't bring it. But I followed up with her and said, can we bring something else, or how are you guys doing? And, uh, you know, she needed formula, and they needed groceries. And so that gave us the opportunity to, to go pick up both and drive it out there and just be Jesus to her. The circumstances, they weren't so good. I really wanted to bring her some of the awesome chicken, but God ended up using that to bring something even more important to them. As Paul continues sharing his circumstances, he speaks of the tension that some in the Roman church had with his presence. And it's funny when you think about it, really. While most of the Christians in Rome were just delighted that Paul was there, some, those who desired to be as important or as noteworthy as the apostle, were envious of him being there. Even though he was in prison. Goodness, some people really are insecure. And that leads us to the next point. The joy of advancing the gospel celebrates the success of others, even when others are not supportive of us. I appreciate that Paul doesn't mince any words in verses 15 through 17. Paul writes, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Oh, Paul doesn't mince words, does he? See, there was no clear leader in the Roman church, just a few insecure knuckleheads who wanted to be in charge. And they all found Paul's presence in a Roman prison cell, threatening to their own aspirations. That, however, didn't deter Paul, who not only recognized those among the church preaching in love, but he also saw his own divine purpose in being in Rome. If you look at that, I, I would invite you to underline in verse 16, I am put here. I am put here. Translated that Greek literally is I have been set here. The word defense in the Greek is apologia. It's where we get the word apology from. It means to give an answer, to make a defense. Paul was set in Rome by Christ for the divine purpose of imprisonment so that Paul would be positioned to defend the gospel. Now here's a quick application point for that. Whenever I'm facing tough circumstances, Whenever I'm facing challenging decisions or come out of a challenging meeting, even in the midst of all of these circumstances of a church halfway renovated, <laughs> pandemic, there's like five people in the building for worship right now and all of you watching out there. In the midst of all that, I remind myself of this, and I would encourage you with it as well. I have been set here by God. I've not been set anywhere else. I've been set here by God at no other time in history than right now. 
Now remember the second point of today's sermon is celebrating the success of others even when others aren't supportive of us. So listen to what Paul goes on to say in verse 18. He says, well, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. See, Paul's feelings may be hurt, but ultimately what's important to him is the mission of advancing the gospel. Christ is preached, Paul says, and because of this, I rejoice. The joy of advancing the gospel celebrates the success of others. Sometimes others are going to be negative to us. Sometimes others support us, supporting them. What a great relationship we are developing right now with Victory Baptist Church, that we can support their ministry, their ministry of feeding those who don't have enough money to feed themselves. Praise be to God for that. This is why we exist, to celebrate the success of others, to lift up others who are doing great work in Jesus' name. That's why we exist. We are the body of Christ. This is the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like. You know what? Even Presbyterians are welcome to hang out with us, Methodists and Baptists. That was for you. Just kidding. She didn't think that was funny. I'm sorry. Now we start to see Paul's deep reflection as a result of his circumstances. By the way, if there's one good circumstance that has come, or one good thing that's come out of our circumstances with this whole COVID-19 thing, it's that it's offered many of us a chance to reflect. It's offered many of us a chance to reflect, to slow down, to stop, to breathe, and to reflect and go, huh. It's a chance I hope you've not wasted. Sometimes I waste chances like that. I think I've wasted some of this chance. But in many other ways, I've taken advantage of it. See, Paul, Paul had a lot of time in prison to reflect, to reflect upon his life. And, and as he did so, he received from God a divine perspective to living and to dying. And that's the third and final point of today's sermon. The joy of advancing the gospel offers a divine perspective to our living and dying. Paul writes in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether, whether by life or by death. And y'all underline this next verse. You should have this one memorized. It is a great verse to memorize. A great verse to memorize. For to me, in verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's the divine perspective Paul offers us that we might have the courage to do what's right while we are still living in our bodies. That we might have the knowledge that death, when we die, it's only going to bring us closer to Jesus. Think about that. When our body finally does give way or our life in this body ends, we're only going to be closer to Jesus, not farther away. 
And probably the most important perspective is this, that whether or not you live or die, if you are walking with Jesus, it's always a win-win. It's always a win-win. So rejoice. Rejoice. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The joy of advancing the gospel. It utilizes every circumstance. It celebrates the success of others, even when others are not supportive of us. And it offers us the divine perspective to our living and our dying. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. That's God's word. Seriously consider this day for the church of Christ community and all with ears to hear. All praise and be now to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, thanks for checking out the So What Factor. My name's Randy Bennett. I'm a United Methodist pastor. And these sermons answer the question, I hope, so what? So what? Is God real? So what am I supposed to do with my life? So what does the Bible actually say? So in every sermon, it's my hope that you'll figure out what the so what is. But if you don't know, or it wasn't clear, feel free to find me on Facebook at Randy Bennett Jr. Um, and shoot me a message. You can also email me at PastorRandyBennett at Yahoo.com. Be happy to hear your questions and, and, uh, and connect with you. So thanks for listening. Take care and God bless. Thank you.